And I purposely, when I was bringing you on, did not want to give any scores because of what I thought you might be doing. You know, you had a big meeting today, and you were a part of some things, so you have not been watching the action. So I will, if you need me to, I will avoid talk discussing, like, who the leaders are of the U.S. Open. Well, a bunch of people uh, failed to, to play by that rule, so I already know the score. <laughs> I got about 20 text messages, so I know all about it. Well, because, partly because you coach this guy, and you and I have talked about him before, and one of the leaders of the uh, tournament, Ricky Fowler, who um, came on like a house of fire early in his PGA, has been great on Ryder Cup teams, and had faded a little bit in recent years, but has found it again recently, uh, goes out there and, and Coach has 10 birdies. I mean, that in a U.S. Open with these greens rolling like they are, the rough, everything that's part of a U.S. Open, that's unheard of. In fact, it's never been done before. And I, I would say, I mean, even a golf historian like yourself and, and someone that knows Ricky like you do, that's still a, a pretty amazing feat to 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 put to post that in that first round of the U.S. Open. Well, yes, I agree completely. You know, it's funny, and not on U.S. Open golf courses, but when I was recruiting him, he shot ten rounds between sixty-two and sixty-four in high school golf in the state of California in three years. So he wasn't afraid to shoot low. Now he had never done it on a U.S. Open golf course. But he's played well in U.S. Opens before. He's played well in Open Championships. He's played well in the Masters. He's, you know, he's had a good history of playing well in majors. Just never won one, and it's a long way away from the victory, you know, stand this week. But it's a great start, and I'm really happy for him. And yeah, really happy for him. Golly, so he was going that low at these high school tournaments. Everybody wanted him. Obviously, what was the? Who are you up against? When y'all were trying to land Ricky, like who were who just, was that, who out there in California? Everybody. You, you just said it, everybody. But <laughs> but in, in, truly, he was just going to go to UCLA, USC, or Oklahoma State, and that that was it. So he wasn't going anywhere else. And he originally committed to UCLA first, and. Um, I wrote him a nice letter and said, thank you very much. Have a great career. You're going to be fantastic. And he kind of thought his decision over a little bit and called me the day after we won the national championship and said, I've opened up my recruiting again. I saw everything he did that summer. I mean, everything. And, um, and he committed to me at the U.S. Amateur uh, with a photograph of um, – OSU head cover on it. So it was a long, long, arduous process getting him there. But um, I don't know, maybe charm got him there to still order. Maybe it was just pure charm. <laughs> the McGraw <laughs> charm. The McGraw charm took over. I, I, I don't doubt it. I would say it was you just being the genuine guy that you are, and he probably uh, really appreciated that. And to this day, the man loves orange. He loves orange, always has, and I think that has a lot to do with Oklahoma State. How long did he stay uh, in Stillwater? Refresh me on that one. Two years. Um, okay. 
Okay. He was the first team All American both years, college player of the year one year, and uh, we finished fourth and third in the national championship. And or no, that's not right. Fourth and fifth in the national championship. So he didn't get what his original goal was was to help help us win a national championship. But he did all he could. Uh, he played fantastic, and yeah, two years it was. Uh, didn't feel like enough time, but he gave us everything he had every day. And what was, now, what do you think, Mike McGraw, joining us, uh, Baylor golf coach, of this Los Angeles country club? You know, for so many years, we always kind of talked about Riviera anytime we bring up Los Angeles. But, I mean, this is an interesting-looking place. Good visuals. Uh, I was looking at 11 today from behind 11 that's a really interesting look. What do you know? You've recruited that area for many, many years. What did you know about Los Angeles Country Club, and 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 how do you think this is is going to live up to you know being uh, the the U.S. Open status? I mean, we in our mind we know where a U.S. Open should take place. I can't say that I always think of Los Angeles Country Club, quite honestly, when I think U.S. Open. Uh, well, I would say we think we know what a U.S. Open, but they've gone to a lot of unusual venues the last 15 years, so mm-hmm. not t- non-traditional venues. But I think Los Angeles Country Club is a very good golf course. I think it'll hold up. The golf course will only get firmer and faster unless they get a bunch of rain or something. So, you know, it'll it'll probably it'll probably uh, hold its own. But I've never been on property, so I've never seen seen the property except on television. So I, I can't give you a lot of expertise there. But you'll watch it, and uh, and you know people that are playing it. And uh, Hovland had a holdout from the uh, – of course, I'm now telling you everything that you might see later, but you've probably already been told this too. Um, he uh, he eagled today, and, uh, boy, he seems to be in a great place, although he finishes it like – I think it was maybe one under – and his face told the story. You know how happy and, 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 and just a great guy he is. I was watching him finish today, and there was just a look on his face that was kind of like it was not the Victor Hovland I'm used to. And he wasn't mad or angry or anything, but it was just kind of like he'd been through it. You know, some of these guys, that just seem always unflappable, but the look on Hovland's face was kind of like, whoa, whoa. That I've I've been through the ringer today. Well, if you've watched very many U.S. Opens through the years, it doesn't matter who you are. That rough and those firm, fast greens. Eventually, you're you're going to have a frown on your face at some point. It's just it's a test. It always has been, almost always will be. Ricky's round today, pretty much an anomaly. It's crazy to shoot that low and have ten birdies. Just silly, honestly. But but uh, the golf courses at U.S. Opens generally have a way of making you. Uh, Kind of question what if they play the U.S. Open venue every week on the PGA Tour, we either wouldn't watch it on television because well it'd be kind of like watching a car accident, so maybe we would watch it, but um, they would quit the game. The tour players wouldn't play if they had to play hard golf courses every week. I wish we could see Tiger on this course. I mean that's just a part of the country that he loves, and and I just feel like would flourish in. And uh, for some reason, I think of him a lot, even more than I usually do in this major, because of where they are. Uh, and, yeah. and I, you know, I, it's just something 
about that. Now, Xander also shot a 62, and I thought that was interesting. He said after the round that playing with, you know, seeing Ricky, I mean, that, I think that was that, that helped him in the sense that it was kind of like, I got to respond to him. I mean, he was watching the score, seeing all that, and I think that's interesting because golf is such an individual sport, but occasionally you are spurred on by who you're playing around or near or seeing scores on a course. And Xander admitted, you know, hey, this guy's going low. I've got to keep up with him. Yeah, and, and he's a California boy just like Ricky. So they played a lot of junior golf, the same tournaments, the same venues, the same kind of grasses. Uh, so he he understood that. But I love it when somebody uh, spurs on another player to play a great round of golf. I think it's fantastic. And I think, you know, a lot of uh, scoring records, a lot of time records in, in, in track and field are, are broken because somebody sees that it's possible. If he can do it, I can do it too. So uh, I think it's pretty cool that, that uh, they played the way they did today. I think it's fantastic for golf. Did you, isn't that interesting that Bryson's also a California guy? Isn't that right? And so yep, you have, yeah. and he's he's tied there with. Um, that's amazing how many guys are tied for third. With Scheffler being one of them at three under, and then fourteen players tied for tenth as we speak. Um, I mean, it's going to be fun to see how this plays out. For your money, you know, from a major standpoint, is this your favorite? Uh, I assume, I think you and I have talked about this before. How many times have you tried to qualify for the U.S. Open? I tried nine times. I made it through the local qualifying three times, and I never played in a U.S. Open. So (laughs) it would have been my favorite had I played in it, but I never did. Actually, I enjoy watching the Masters because you can compare it year to year. You've got historical visuals and, and memories of seeing the things happen. The U.S. Open's a pretty amazing event because uh, more often than not, you get a great champion out of the U.S. Open. You really do. It's it's a test of everything you are as a golfer and as a human being, and it, it tests everything you do. So it, it's a neat major. I, I do like watching it. Which college player has the best chance of of uh, of doing really well? in this U.S. Open, and I, and I include the guys like Sam and even the guy from Wake, maybe some of the guys that that just turned pro. Let's include them. Which of those guys? And there's that guy, uh, Thorne, that I kind of like. How do you Thor, say his name? Uh, Thor Bjornsson. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if he was um, – if he stays within his emotional self, if he does a good job of that, he would probably play very well. I haven't seen his score today. But he's got the game to do it, I can tell you that. He's a, a man among boys a lot of times. He looks like a tour player. But uh, sometimes he gets a little emotional, but, you know, hopefully he can he can do well. What did he shoot today? Did they have a score for him? I, I don't have it in front of me. No, I was just kind of curious because – and there's somebody that has a similar name to him. There's Thor – there's him, and there's a Michael, you know, that, that's actually been out on tour, I think, for a little bit. But uh, – those are fascinating to me. And then today, the guy who was playing well early was a guy you've probably run into, uh, Brennan from Wake yeah, Mike Forest. Brennan from Wake yeah. Forest, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he yeah, was he, playing uh, he really won well. Tournament. He won a college tournament at Colonial a couple of years ago where he shot nothing. He was so many under par. It was fantastic. And uh, he's obviously a great player. And, and 
and he, I don't know if you saw the, the up and down he had on the last hole of the 36 hole qualifying to get into the U S open. It was absolutely unbelievable. Unthinkable. It was so good. Did any of your Baylor players try to qualify? I'm even including some of your players from the past. Like I, I would imagine at some point, you know, uh, Cooper has tried, Cooper Dossie has tried to go out there and qualify. Who has, uh, over since you've been at Baylor, who's come the closest to qualifying, and who have, I'm trying to think if anybody's actually broken through. Yeah, Kyle Jones played in 2015 at Chambers Bay, missed the cut, but he played there. Um, don't think we've had anybody actually get into the Open since then, other than Jimmy Walker, but Jimmy didn't play for me. So um, Cooper Dossie was the first alternate this year out of his uh, sectional qualifying, so he almost got in pretty close. Um, you know, I don't know. It's 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 funny. Uh, I always say the term "good golf travels." So if you play well, on a, I remember when Ricky Fowler and and Kevin Tway were freshmen playing for me at Oklahoma State. They left the national championship, went straight to the sectional qualifying in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, Kevin won the qualifying. And Ricky got in a playoff, and he and Rocco Mediate got out of the playoff and went to Torrey Pines and. And uh, obviously, the rest is history. Rocco lost a playoff to Tiger. Ricky made the cut, but Kevin did not. So we had two freshmen actually make it to the U.S. Open like four days after the U.S. or after the NCAA. Yeah, it's interesting to see how they set these things up. Sometimes the rough can be worse. I don't. I've seen it worse than this. The greens, they try to get them rolling at about a what, a 13 or a 14, so they kind of hope these things kind of dry out and everything. Do you ever think the USGA is almost too punishing in in the way they go about it, or do you like, you know, how aggressive they are in, in trying to, to make it the challenge that it is? Well, the old saying was uh, the players were griping and the uh, – director of the USGA said, we're not trying to embarrass the best players in the world. We're trying to identify them. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But uh, 1974, Wingfoot, it just embarrassed everybody. I mean, seven over par won the U.S. Open. Uh, 1963 at Brookline, I think a playoff, it, it was pretty high. The score was very high. But but the, the uh, U.S. Open traditionally has had a lot of rough, firm, fast greens. And if you just don't have your game right with you that week, you're going to look, you're going to get embarrassed and you're going to look pretty silly. Um, but I actually like it. I, I think it's had some great stories through the years and a guy that learns to manage his emotions. When you miss a fairway and you have to just chop out a sandwich, you forget I can chop the sandwich out there at 110 yards and still hit a wedge inside of 10 feet and make my par. It's when they get greedy and try to, to do things that are, you know, kind of crazy out of the rough. That you uh, that you have a guy that shoots a really high number. So, were you shocked by this uh, live PGA merger as much as a lot of people were, or did you kind of see something like that happening? What do you? Uh, what has been your? What was your initial thought when you uh, when you saw that news, which kind of rocked not only the golf world but all the sports world? Well, it surprised me greatly, but honestly, not one single PGA Tour player knew it. I mean, every one of them will tell you it was the best-kept secret anywhere. They had no idea it was coming. 
And so that was the shocking part of it. The two players themselves had no say, and they just – and I, th- I don't think we've seen the complete fallout, and I don't even think we really know what it's going to look like right now. So I'm going to reserve uh, comment and or judgment on what I think will happen. Uh, I, I never thought it would be great to have the Saudi Arabian prince or whomever you know that controls that fund over there uh, running professional golf. I, I didn't think that was probably great for the game, but – I may be wrong. Who knows? Um, I did never criticize a player who went over, though. You'd have no idea. Matt, if they paid you $100 million to go over and do the commentary at all the events on the Live Tour, do you think you'd be there? I did get the offer. I chose to okay. stay with you in ESPN. No, I, I think I might have jumped <laughs> jumped over there. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say what any of us would do unless we were in their shoes, so. Yeah, yeah, it's just tough to see Rory fight it out and and defend the tour and and kind of go side by side with the uh, commissioner Jay Monahan, and then like you said, get completely undercut by all of it and find out maybe like an hour or two before the the big announcement came out. And uh, you know, he stepped up and became kind of the face of the thing, and I think he feels some level of. Uh, of betrayal. Now, what about your team? What did you learn about your team? We hadn't really talked since the NCAA championships. I was really excited to see y'all. You just didn't, it didn't go like you had hoped. Um, obviously y'all are very capable of playing a lot better than that. Kiefer got it rolling and got in his individual. He had that great day where he shot, I forgot, like maybe a 69 or something like that or a 68. Um, what did you, what, you know, going into next year now, having seen that, what did it what did it teach you about your team, and what's the biggest thing that you feel like your team and your players kind of have to do heading into next year? Well, for one thing, they got back to the national championship was definitely a goal of theirs. I don't not sure we were completely ready for the moment, but that's okay. We've got all nine guys coming back, including the five that were at Scottsdale. So we have everybody coming back. We have two new freshmen coming in. If the guys do their job this summer, we'll be a way better team. And the next time we're in that position, they're going to play a lot better. So I'm not concerned. wasn't shocked. I was disappointed, but so were the guys. They were really disappointed. They didn't put up a better performance at Nationals. But there were a lot of teams, including Oklahoma State, only the second time in 80 years that they had missed the National – or 75 years they would missed the National Championship. So, you know – it can happen to the best program in the country, and we're just proud that we're there. But next year, hopefully, we'll put up a better fight. All right. What about those uh, uh, two new uh, Mike McGraw joining us on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, Baylor golf coach? The two new freshmen. What should we expect from those players? I, these these players don't arrive these days with hat in hand. Like, hey, I'm just going to hang out here and work on my game, and hopefully I'll break in in a couple of years. That's generally not how it goes. What uh, what should we expect from these guys? Well, one of them I can speak about because he's already signed a letter of intent. The other actually hasn't signed his letter. He was a little later to the table. So he'll he'll be signing that in the next week or so. I won't, I won't talk about him. He's a nice player, though, very nice player and a great kid. Uh, the one I can talk about is Davis Ovard. He is from Frisco, Texas. And he just finished runner-up, lost in a playoff in the junior Byron Nelson last week, lost to Preston Stout, the number one ranked player in the country, who's going to Oklahoma State this fall. So he played beautifully, played really good golf, 14 under for three rounds. 
kind of a tall, thin kid, uh, has a really good action, great competitor. He, he's just that's probably his best quality is he's just a competitor. So we'll see how he does. I know he doesn't want to take a back seat. So, and I know I've always said this. The golf ball doesn't know how old you are. You may be a freshman, but it just goes <laughs> where you tell it to go. So if, if he comes in here with a belief that he could make it, there's every chance in the world he can make it, no doubt. All right. Well, that's exciting. I, they, my, my daughter's friends told me about Preston. They play against him. The Lake Highlands kids play against Pierce and Richardson Pierce, and they, they really like him. They say he's a great kid, so that's good. Good for Oklahoma State, but I'll focus on Ovard. Uh, that's kind of exciting. I'm going to now go get online and kind of look up some of his scores. And I'll continue to send you scores, and you can continue to ignore me when you need to. But I, you know me, I like to scout it out, see who's out there, and then report back to you. I like that. I mean, you're, you're doing your job. And if I'm doing my <laughs> job, we'll, we'll, meet, we'll meet on this show again. <laughs> we can only hope. All right, well, enjoy the rest of the Open. Go watch it. It's going to be some prime time tonight on NBC uh, because of the West Coast nature of this. So that'll be fun. Watching some major golf late into the evening. Uh, Mike, great to visit with you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks. You bet. There he goes. Baylor head golf coach, great friend for several years now. And uh, love those golf programs. You know, Greg Priest, before Mike was a great friend for many years, dating to the time we were kids, and and uh, and then Mike McGraw came on, and he's been a great uh, coach and mentor for a lot of people at Baylor. 